0: Let's go a little life out here. What the hell's going on out here? It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun.
1: Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at SteedyDNFL on Twitter, and of course follow the group at UK Packers. and as usual, I've me old buddy, me old pal. It's at IT Hedgehog. it's Peter Jones. Peter what's going on buddy
0: how you do i'm good steve how are you
1: my chest hurts my chest still hurts i went to the a&e and they said it's just Packeritis, and that's what happens uh, another crazy game pete how's the cardiac health
0: uh yeah well just about just about surviving um Funnily enough, as we sit here recording this on, on the TV in the background, this the game is rerunning right now. Turn it off, Pete. And For your own health, turn it off, Peter. Well, I just I just don't know how it's go- I just don't know how it's gonna turn out, Steve. So yeah, I better turn it off.
1: <laughs> Maybe we'll make some defensive stops on the replay. Um but eight and two, baby, and all I can say is in the actually you know what I'm not gonna say it, I'm gonna let Paul Rudd say it. Look at us. Hey.
0: Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Who would have thought, Pete? Here we are. Who would have thunk thunk it?
1: Who would have thunk it? The thing is, I hate that (laughs) excuse for games that we lose and, you know, we show a terrible performance against the Chargers and then someone says, which I I do sometimes, do you know what? I flip-flop between it. I sort of go, well, you know, it's better than we thought. We'd get on. But then you kind of go, do you know what? Could have won that game. I don't know how we dropped an egg. Because the thing is, (laughs) or dropped an egg, laid an egg, all the same. Uh, The Chargers, uh, just a bad performance. You know, if we showed up, showed out we would have won that the Eagles you know arguably gave up too much to the Zacherts there was definitely opportunities to win that game that whole you know uh fourth and whatever stand uh fourth and goal it was it and we didn't run it and Matt LaFleur got massacred for it so it's there as well am I just being greedy is that the case where you know you win the lotto but you you split it with somebody not that this has ever happened to me and then you go oh, I would have loved to have just won it all though Greedy, <laughs>
0: isn't Well, yeah. You could, you could, you could always look at games like that and think, yeah, we should have won those. But there's probably just as many you could, you could, if you were honest, you could look at it and say, yeah, but we could have lost those. So yeah. it was, um, it was the old, uh, the, the old Philadelphia and St Louis Rams coach, Dick Dick Vermeil, that used to say, you know, you, you kind of get to your record, and you, along the way, yeah. you kind of lose some that you should have won, and you win some that you should have lost. And you're probably about where you should be.
1: It's true. And again, I have so many sound bites for the podcast uh, for, for many different reasons. Uh, part of the reason was is I showed up for, for work today um, and I had a day off because it was the Glasgow meetup that happened on Sunday. And I sent out an email to all the Scots. So anybody who went to that meetup, hopefully has had a good time. It was an informal one. And the reason that it was and there was one email that sort of said, oh, I didn't have proper notice. Um, you know, if you listen to the podcast, I was trying to give people an update as we went along and no place in Scotland would actually let us have the security to stream the game if it wasn't on tv the tv schedule is now till a week before that happened it was on bloody tv and um, so again i organized it with the walkabout bar to head along put it on the big screen and um, have red zone going and all that good stuff so hopefully anybody went to that formal one which i don't know because i didn't go uh couldn't get it over um because you know booking plane flights or whatever so late notice or whatever that said I've been jet setting around like a mad thing, uh. You know, Cardiff, Manchester, the Birmingham one's coming up. There's a Dublin meetup. There's a London meetup, and I would say, and we get an awful lot of this when it's face to face or at meetups or in emails or when I send out membership numbers that people say they love the podcast, they love me and Pete's bromance, um, and they enjoy listening to it in their car, walking their dog. Uh, maybe we put some people to sleep, Pete. I mean, you know maybe um there you go i mean Peter peter's sleep because this diatribe's gone on too long right he's snoozing away there or i'm hoping that's the dog having a snore beside him so what i will say is if anyone wants to help out if you want to buy us a coffee just one coffee a starbucks priced venti every month uh, we'll give you a t-shirt for doing it patreon.com forward slash uk packers i have my begging played out please i beg you Help us out here, buddies.
0: Um, so it's a fiver. And for anybody that knows me, Steve, they know how much I love my Starbucks coffee.
1: Oh, yeah. He's a big proponent. Uh, Peter's special <laughs> favourite is the Venti Caramel Macchiato Frappuccino with no foam with a sprinkle <laughs> of chocolate dusting. Uh, so if you want to donate uh, a fiver, we'll give you all of your money back honestly um after six months by giving you a free t-shirt if you want to give after that we truly thank you so there's actually been some people who haven't taken the t-shirt i'm just putting that seed of stuff out there i'm just saying um but speaking of money and having no money it's preston smith is not going to have a whole lot of money peter um and let me hit you with this soundbite and let me think would this be something that you would do if you got to double digit sacks, my friend so a guy like me if I would have got a double digit first, I was gonna get everybody their own chain with the number on it. But P got to it first, so P gonna get the whole OLB groups or the whole defense defense. Damn. The whole defense Rolexes. <laughs> so yeah, that's big. Yeah. The whole defense? Whole defense.
0: <laughs> they
1: help me they helped me get there. I just love that uh Zadarius goes,
0: Damn. <laughs> it's
1: just that kind of like just that shock of that's an expensive watch. Peter Uh, Two questions. Number one, like, dear Lord Lama Jesus, is he actually going to buy everyone a Rolex on the defense? His wife is going to smack him. Um, And second off, he gets a double-digit sacks. But this is a a two-headed beast, if I will, that these guys are still playing out of their skin. He gave up some stuff when he was covering the tight end in this game. You know, the defense is getting Rolexes bought for them. However, their performance is dom caperish. If I can, if if you will let me say. So what do we do? I mean, what what's the story here? Is is it so? Obviously, it's good news. We have a double digit sack, um, guy on the team. Uh, z got there. I don't think he got there last night, right? Um, no. So again, do, does this? I'm gonna say it. Does this defense deserve Rolexes, Pete?
0: Um. Well I think they probably deserved them during the first few weeks of the season that they probably should be given them back now. <laughs> um, it's well it's a, it's a difficult one. I mean I mean 10 sacks for anybody at this st- at this stage of the season just over halfway through the season is a, is a is a great performance but from an all-round team defense performance they it is a caper. They mm. are struggling. They are struggling um struggling to stop the run struggling to stop the pass that's neither of those is encouraging both of them together is very discouraging um but the one thing that they have consistently done um you know for most games this season is come up with the play when they needed to have it yeah um and i'm thinking you know the two turnovers last night both of them came up at big at big times in the game and clearly the 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 play that ended the game yeah was was clearly a very a very big play but i was thinking more about the, the the two turnovers and and that's pretty much what they've done you know most of the season given up a lot of a lot of yards certainly from about week 4 onwards hmm. but generally come up with that play at a crucial time you know it's one thing coming up with turnovers when you're up by 18 points or down by 18 points but coming up with them when you know, when the game's tied or there's three or seven points in it, those are crucial, crucial big plays. So they have done that.
1: Yeah, it's it's going kind to of be mad. And, and it's, it's amazing that you mentioned it because it, Dom Capers um, obviously got in for stick and I saw some hashtag fire capers thing, which is always hilarious. And also Capers is a kind of, you know, everyone knows what a caper is so the thing is I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing in a new segment and we haven't discussed this it's nice that you mentioned that these were all capers uh, because i spent today splicing up some old vintage footage so i'm going to go into this next segment and we'll talk about some of the defensive gaffes that we saw and what we really need to clean up
0: it's comedy capers time comedy
1: Any jingle that has a rollicking, <laughs> frolicking good time is always good with me. Um, <laughs> it's good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I deliberately held all of these things from Pete uh, and we didn't talk about them in pre-production and I'm just landing them all on him now. So it is great. Um, and I've, Do you know what? I have another soundbite as well because you talked about one of these fumbles, right? And um, could Aikman hate the Packers anymore? But when he came out with this, um, I was kind of thinking... No wonder you're not a doctor.
0: I think John Madden once said two cheeks equals one hand. I don't <laughs> know. I think, I think there's an argument. You can't say that on
1: national TV. Two cheeks <laughs> is equal to one hand. Um, not an MD. Uh, maybe we leave that there, Pete. Maybe we don't go into the anatomy. Have you got any comment on that, Pete? Two cheeks is No, no I. I
0: have. I have no, no, comment, no comment on that at all. Other than to say, I actually like Joe Buck. Mm. As a common commentator. Yeah. When he's commentating on baseball.
1: <laughs> Not on the Packers. Yeah, when the two of them were together. I didn't mind them all that much, but then they started to grade on me. But what I will say is, is that I would trust Aikman's advice on Arsus because he talks out of one <laughs> for most of the game. Um so when we get onto this comedy capers thing, the thing is, this defense um started off really well. And again, I put it out from the group Twitter account and oh my god, this is amazing. And I said it's too early which it was but you know McCaffrey two yards McCaffrey three yards uh then DJ Moore of course gets an easy first down in zone coverage Campbell was on the coverage which I'd expected big things and I was kind of you know secretly disappointed like a father looking at a son that does something disappointing uh then Zadaris misses a sack on play action uh, McCaffrey gets short yardage and then the pass is defended by King and I was like great they punt the ball away on the first defensive air st- the first defensive stand I was thinking that's great you know the next couple of plays were like McCaffrey two yards and all this type of stuff it was really brilliant but then a massive 38 yard gain with more which King is on the coverage so King flip-flop for me all night defends passes uh, comes in gives up massive coverage that was the busted coverage Pete which you'll remember from the start of the game and then Alexander misses the tackle so if we're going to talk about capers we can't not give an honorable mention to Kevin King. He had lights out plays, but he also had an awful lot of this stuff where he was playing zone coverage or man coverage, but he was too far off, and they'd get easy completions. Um, you know, giving up yardage all night. And I know I tweeted at you personally, um, you know, about the the tight end Olsen, who you said was 700 years old, and he had his 700 <laughs> catch during this game. So that wasn't great. Um, you know, it was just this sort of caperish stuff all night. But there's one particular. Um, And I'm going to call it a defensive stand when it wasn't really because, like, it's about 700 pages long. You know, it's the ninth time we took the field. Uh, The long first down pass of Samuel, guess who's on the coverage? King. Um, We almost sacked him. Then Alexander misses an easy interception, which was just unforgivable piece in my mind uh, McCaffrey then goes after that for eight yards on a second and 10 it's third and short DJ Moore massive first down guess who's on the coverage Alexander again Checkdowns to McCaffrey Olson comes down with a first down to the Packers 40 and um, Alexander should have picked off another one but he slips and then Olsen's in the middle savage on coverage you know they're just ripping us up and they just marched the whole way down uh which was the last um Play the game. Actually, this defensive stand, and that was an absolute caper, Pete. As you said, can't stop the run, can't stop the pass. When we look at King and when we look at Alexander, and we were so happy to have King back and say, "Oh, finally, we're going to get the two these lads play off each other." Are these players uh, regressing? Um, are we being found out? Is it just a bad run of a couple of games? Is it concerning uh, with these guys?
0: So I think with I think with King, I mean that that play that you described where. Um, he's, he seemed to drop into zone coverage when everybody else was in man coverage. What it looked like on uh, that was, you know, obviously it looked awful. Yeah. Um, I, I'm probably not as down on on Kevin King as some as some people are. I, I think generally speaking this this year he's he's had a pretty decent season, hmm. except one or two one or two bad games and. You know, he's not a shutdown corner. You know, this isn't the, the, the resurrection of of, of Dion Sanders or any or any or anything like that. And no, he's never gonna be that guy. Um, but I think but I think he's I think he's doing okay. I'm I'm more concerned about Jair Alexander because he does appear to be well you hate to use the word regressing, um, for, especially for a second for a second year guy. Um, let's just say that he's not progressing like as much as we would all like, um, and it may be that so-called sophomore slump, yeah, or you know it it may be again, you know with lots of the, the second year guys, the opposition's now got more film to look at, uh, more chance to scout him, more chance to see his tendencies and stuff and stuff, and you know let's not um, let's not pretend here, I think that cornerback along with offensive tackle and quarterback, is probably as hard a position to come in and play in the NFL as any. You know, I think there's those three slots are the three most difficult to come in and play. And, you know, I think that we've got to accept we've got a second-year guy and a third-year guy. And, and you know, let's see where they are in years in years four and five. Yeah, it's, they're young.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the thing is is that he's a good leader. He's very vocal. But the thing is, is that I find him... You know, he he can get beaten seemingly easy. And even when he plays tight coverage as well, they seem to be able to just box him out. Another caper for me is the fact is, and it's very Dom Capers too, is that I remember being, you know, on certain plays and on certain games, a defender for Dom Capers in the sense of like, this is fundamental stuff. This has nothing to do with his scheme. And in fact, it's to do with missed tackles. Uh, you know, they've been in positions to make the play and they just haven't done it. Nothing is more evident than the third defensive stand. Um, You know, it's uh, 3 minutes 35 seconds in the first half. So the game is still young. Um, But Savage, as fast as he is, gets to Allen. But he's almost too fast and forgets to sack him. Uh, So Allen runs for the first down and some change. It's first and 10 on the next play. Kenny Clark misses the sack then again. Now it's called back for offsetting fouls and they have to run the play again. And McCaffrey subsequently gets 17 yards. Um, and then Olsen comes in for a first down after that. Now, you know, after that, it, it's a good three-play defensive stand for, for the Packers. McCaffrey gets stuffed, incomplete pass, and then a screen gets swallowed up and they have to settle for a field goal. It's the end of the first quarter. But, like, it's that sort of stuff for me, Pete, that really annoys me, is that Savage is in a position to make a play. It doesn't. Kenny Clark's in a position to yep. make the play. It doesn't. You know, that's just annoying. That's just wrapping up. And, again, we could have stopped that. Uh, Stopped him from getting a field goal, and on we march. And it's just real amateur error.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think that's a that's a that's an ongoing problem. You know, more often more often than not, it seems to be it's Blake Martinez, and if it's not Martinez, as you said, it's 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 Savage, and then it'll be Clark, and then a, next week it will be you know a B, B J Goodson or, or somebody that doesn't make the, the tackle. It's that's it's it's a concern, but I I, I don't know how you fix that. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fundamentals. Now I think, I think it's a problem. It's more of a problem across the league than, than people give credit for, Mm. you know? And so it's got to be some of it caused by, you know, the limiting of practice time and that, and that kind of thing. Um, because there's lots of missed tackles across the league. And I guess we highlight the ones that we see, um, from the Packers, I think alongside that and this one is for me is just as worrying is the number of receivers that are wide open yeah. and they then they seem to get it's one thing if if a guy gets beat deep because of because of, of speed you know one guy's a pure a pure athlete that, that 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 just outruns another guy well you know there's not much you can do about that but it's the guys that the number of guys that are wide open 10 or 15 yards down the field kind of behind the linebackers but in front of the secondary that you know that is just it just happens time and time and time again. Um, you know, and you're right bringing up the tight ends. You know that the tight ends every single week, even the guys that haven't been prolific this season, suddenly have a prolific game against the Packers. It comes down to
1: size, right? Matchup.
0: Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's size matchups. But I, I'm also beginning to wonder whether part of it is the Packers defense doesn't have one strong suit so I think that if you can if you're really good at stopping the run or you're really good against the pass you know you can make the other team one dimensional and then then at least you know you can you can tailor your defense to that one dimension I think the we've only got to look at the you know yesterday's game and you look at you know McCaffrey had 100 plus yards rushing 141 total yards mm. but they also had three you know Kyle Allen through for just over 300 yards so it just feels like you know the the Packers defense is caught between a rock and a hard place in 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 a you know are we bringing that eighth man up into the box to stop the run and exposing ourselves to the pass or we not bringing him up we're we leaving having five defensive backs back to stop the pass and then leaving ourselves um you know exposed to the run and i think that some of that comes from not having a dominant middle linebacker, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, uh, there's no way around And, and I, guess the, I guess the really good defense is even, even you know, the Carolina guy, um, Luke Keefley, didn't have the greatest of games yesterday. But, you know, seven games out of eight, eight games out of ten, he's a dominant player. Um, um, And we, you know, other than, I guess, the two Smiths that have come in this season, we don't have that guy.
1: Yeah. And again, I'm I'm not always one because there is a bit of a witch hunt um, online for Blake Martinez. But he did uh, grind me gears um, in this game in the sense that there was a touchdown with McCaffrey and he always seems to be, um, you know, left or right of the gap. And he sees it happening. Everyone yep. can see it happening. And he does this kind of lazy one arm out as if that's going to do it. And like this is a guy who will destroy seven players in a row. Um, And Martinez was throwing one hand out. Now, does he redeem himself on the, on the absolute final play where he slaps ass with, uh, who was it? And gets him across to um make a play um to stuff McCaffrey in the end. I don't know. And look, it's, this is not, and again, it started off, I suppose, negative ish, but that's because we're talking about the defense. Um, but this the thing, and the, the problem with this piece for me was, is when it came to Alan, um, and, it, it, and it, I, and I will concede right that this wasn't an atypical game in the sense that. Uh, As it got later in the game and the Panthers were down two scores, they were still running the ball. Why? Because McCaffrey makes up 42% of all of their offensive yards uh, this season. So that's why they're doing it. So it's not an atypical game where you pull up a two-score lead and then you just have to protect against just the explosive pass plays.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think the thing with McCaffrey, um, you know, and those types of great backs is that, you know, they'll run for three. They'll run for two. They'll run for four. They'll run for five. Then they'll then they'll run for sixty five. Yeah, and and you you always got the feeling last night that that sixty five yard touchdown run was coming. So so from that perspective, it never did, the Packers never gave up that 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 big that big that big run, that huge huge play. And I guess we have to say you know, the Packers only gave up sixteen points yesterday. So it's 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 an odd situation, I guess. You know, people want to call it bend but not breaking you know it's it's an odd situation where you seem to you, you seem to give up a lot of yards it feels like when the defense is on the field that they're not going to stop anybody and yet the scoreboard says 16 points so it's 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 a strange one
1: it is wild. that's something that struck me as well and it strikes me every week because i'm like well that was the worst offensive performance i've seen in a while and then i'm like oh 16 <laughs> points uh, okay well maybe i'm wrong um so yeah and, and it comes down to the thing of you know, it was a the passes that we should have seen and should have forced, and we did force an awful lot of stuff. And I think um, Alan was really fired on all cylinders, especially in that cold condition. Um, was Thought the he interception? Well. He really well. he, didn't he though? I mean, we made and again, yeah. you know, the people yeah. out there who may say, "Oh, we made him look like a world beater, and he's he's quarterback right through the roof and all this type of stuff." But I think he handled the game well because his problem was, and we said this on quick snaps quick snap you doing it Pete um you do, I can hear you doing it, I think um so the <laughs> problem with that was is that he makes the most risky throws um in the NFL and he did that on that play he tried to force it uh Amos sticks the hand out and Tremont Williams comes down with the ball which was a great play and in fact uh Williams was lucky enough because there was a receiver in the area that I think would have scooped up that ball um so that's great we've done some good things on defense but uh, we've been, you know, super leaky. And of course, by writing down the play-by-play, we have made those stops on third down. We have got there in the end.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I guess the worry is, and, and it hasn't happened yet, maybe a little bit in the Chargers game, but not not really, is, is it feels like a defence giving up all those yards. That that's going to translate into giving up a whole bunch of points in a game coming up. And I guess that's, you know, we're sitting here pretty eight and two and we shouldn't forget that this is an eight and two eight and two team mm. but it just feels like and i guess that's the frustrating thing is is all of us you know could see all of those yards being given up the time of possession going in favor of the of of, of the opponent and it just feels like one day that that four hundred four hundred and fifty 450 yard game that we're giving up translates into 45 points yeah and none of us want to see that happen. So I guess that's why we're we're, we're really concerned because you don't want to get to the 49ers or the Vikings or the first round of the playoffs. And that's suddenly the game where the 450 yards does translate into 45 points. That would be awful.
1: Exactly that. Like, And we went into five guys and I spent €700 Euro this weekend. And the thing is, is if you want a five guy <laughs> served up on you, 49ers are going to do it. You know what I mean? They're going to drop that 50 burger. But let's let's come away from the defense at least for... Um, a minute and get to some positive stuff and maybe get to some controversial stuff Peter the end of the second quarter going in against the half we're going to get the ball back and we go for it on fourth and goal and now we've been trying a lot before that point do you think that's a good decision and what are your thoughts on that whole thing
0: so so, so I posted on the forum before the play was called on the on the on the Facebook forum that I would have kicked the field goal yeah so, so it wasn't with the benefit of hindsight that that I'm now saying, well, I should have kicked the field goal. In my view, um, I I would have kicked the field goal, but I'm probably more conservative than the most NFL coaches and most and most and most fans. I just felt that in a low-scoring game, you know, you're up by four points at the, at, at that stage. Um, the three points was Almost a certainty as, as much as a certainty as a field goal can ever can ever be in those conditions. But almost a certainty, I think, to have gone in seven points up, and then you've got the ball coming out, you know, in the second half kickoff as well. Uh, it just felt to me like it was almost a no-brainer for me mm. sitting in my sitting in my armchair as an armchair coach to have to have taken the three points. But I, but I but I do understand those people that saw it that saw it differently.
1: So I love the aggressiveness, and before I jump into what I feel, for for whatever a leprechaun's opinion is worth, let's have a listen to see what Matt and Floor said. Um, First off, if it was a gut feeling or based on analytics, and also, uh, would he do it again?
0: Yeah, it was gut feeling. I thought we were getting some pretty good push up front all game long, especially up to that point, and I thought we could cram it up there for a yard, and it didn't work out, so... There was, I know, there was a lot of penetration on that play in the backfield. We didn't, we didn't even give ourselves a chance. Yeah, if I had to do it again, I'd, I'd, I'd go for it again. It's just probably pick a different play. I, I would pick a different play. No, there's no probably about it. You know, um, but you know, live and learn.
1: So there's a couple of um, points in this game where I thought that whether it's aaron roger's decision making which i definitely think was a factor because it was the one part that i put out on the group twitter and subsequently got lambasted for it oh roger's slinging it and having fun and it was squeaky bun time it was um, and I understood that it was a very poor decision and um, but i just uh, i was like catchphrase Pete, say what you see and um, so he was you know he was smiling <laughs> away he was almost giving the brett Favreian sort of you know finger salute and it just looked like he was slinging it having fun taking risks the thing is, is this team is a risky team. We've gone for it on fourth down more than I can remember. Uh, there was a few third down plays that panned out and no one was moaning about going to Adams, where there was a, a third and long from our own end zone, if I remember, and he slung it to Devontae Adams. Um, so we're, we're taking risks. And in this play in particular, he talks about, you know, that we're getting good push, that uh, he thought it was a good decision at the time and that he'd pick a different play. Now, I think what he means is, is exactly what he said. He'd pick a different play, as in that exact play. Uh, how it played out, he wouldn't do that again. I don't think that was so out of left field to do it. I get the rationale and I get the risk. So it's the final play of the half. Um, they're not going to give the ball back to Carolina and have them risk scoring. That's fine. They're ahead in the game, so it's not a momentum shifter and it's going to break the spirits. If it comes off, there's a high risk, high reward? Uh, you know we're up by two scores we go in at the halftime, we're high on the fact that we have a ballsy head coach, balls of steel, goes for it. But, leaving that aside, and he said it was a good feeling, I know why, on that possession, which is the fifth defensive possession, um, Williams had got a good purchase, and awful lot of this game has been about Aaron Jones because he gets the touchdowns, you know, it's the flashy player to go for, he's in the MVP talk in my mind. But when we look at this um, possession before, it's a first and ten, Williams runs for five, Um, it's a first and 10 after that williams with a stiff arm runs for eight we're on a third and one williams picks up the third down right up the middle now he only goes for a yard but he still picks up that third down on third and one so again he proves he can get the yard we're at a third and one situation williams runs all the way to the two yard line to set up all of this now he subsequently gives up the false start Uh, there's a pump fake that goes to a wide open uh, lazard So again, we could have got the touchdown there. No one's going to talk about it. They're just going to keep talking about the fact that we were first and goal from the one-yard line and Williams gets stuffed. But I think from looking at that play, you know, Williams is picking up definitely enough for the first down. He gets stuffed at the very start of that possession on first and 10, he gets stuffed for three yards. But there was enough evidence on that drive alone that Williams was running. They couldn't stop him. He was making plays up the middle. His his least successful attempt was a one-yarder that he got on third and one. So he was trusted on third down. So I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense to go for it. Um, now, I know we were first and goal, first and goal again, um, second and goal, third and goal. Then we get a penalty because of the defense and then we're back to first and goal again. So that looks like a ton of attempts, Pete. But to me, none of them were given to Williams to make that shot. You know, there was a the pass to Jimmy Graham that was reversed. The pump fake to a wide open Lazard, he skies it. False start on Williams, we get pushed back. Um, incomplete. And um, when Williams to me was open, you know, so like uh, that first and goal wasn't what happened in the previous weeks where, you know, we ran it, ran it, ran it, ran it, ran it, it. It still didn't work. We ran it again. Didn't work. I think that could have worked there. And I think we could have went in with a big momentum. And I commend these balls of steel, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. It just isn't what I would have done. Yeah. That, 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 and I, I, like I say, I'm probably more conservative with the small C than, than the many, um, I, I I tell you, part part of mine is my history hat is going on and showing how old I am now. Part of mine goes back, in particular, to the to the Packers playoff game against the Eagles, the the renowned fourth and twenty six game, and 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 the Packers played really well on offense in the first half of that game and went out to I want to say like a ten point lead, something like that, and late in the first half. Packers were in exactly the same situation as, or pretty much the same situation as, as, as they were on Sunday. And, and, and Mike Sherman opted to go for it on fourth down with Armand Green, and he didn't get in. Mm. And that changed the whole momentum of that game. And whilst the Packers went on to lose it in overtime, giving up that fourth and 26 play, had they kicked that field goal then, I'm pretty certain they would have won that game. And it gets, and it's, it's kind of gotten forgotten gotten forgotten it's been we'll forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been forgotten because of what subsequently happened and i guess but i haven't forgotten it my you know memory like an elephant for for stuff that didn't go so so well yeah so i guess that's that's probably clouded my view on on that type of situation but i but I absolutely, understand, I absolutely understand where where your head is and where other people's heads were in terms of going for it. And I'm pretty sure the analytics would say go for it too. Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. I mean, isn't that, that what they said? I read a, a long-form article on it, and do you know what? can't remember. Um, I'm like the anti-piece. Uh, so it's just <laughs> – but no, I guess in all seriousness, I think the analytics do point, which is why really Riverboat Ron uh, likes to go, and he's more uh, risk-taking. You don't want that two-point conversion. Yeah.
0: And you look at the number of times that Belichick goes for it on fourth down. Yeah, It's, it's more often than most other coaches do. And you, you need, and you wouldn't kind of imagine Belichick being that type of coach, but he is. And it's because the, because the numbers are in favour of going for it. Just, just, like, just like actually, they're in favour of going for the two-point conversion after every touchdown.
1: Yeah, well I suppose if you get every second one you're just back level, right? So I mean it kinda of yep. works out. Um yeah, it's amazing, isn't it, that something that seems risky is actually the safer play. So yeah, yeah. You kinda of get you get sexy points for being risky when really you're just being, you know, boring um bo- boring Belichick. But,
0: but of course what's what's interesting to me is when they got to fourth down late in the game yeah. they decided to, he decided to punt it away rather than go rather than go for it on fourth and three or fourth and four on a play that clearly if, if they'd converted would have, would have iced the game at that point. Yeah. Um, so it's quite, it's quite, I guess it'd be really interesting to sit down and understand the whole thought process on that. And I, and I guess, again, I, I'm a little bit clouded by if Mike McCarthy had gone for it and not made it, people would have been pillaring him last year. And again, if he'd punted the ball away on fourth and three, like he did last year in the Seattle game, um, and got absolutely destroyed for it, Um but apparently it's okay for this Packers team to do it. And I and I guess results are everything, aren't they? You
1: say this team got away with it. You were not reading some of the Twitter comments that I did. <laughs> 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 I I think you're a Twitter. People are very happy because uh, I've seen some some comments out there. It's it's funny, isn't it? It's definitely that play that not unless you just go cool just not gonna play it just gonna spike the ball into the ground or do something inventive um like i don't know try a touchdown pass with your arse there's, there's no one's there's either you go for it or you don't go for it if you go for it you annoy people you don't go for it you annoy people you know that's just the way it is the thing is i'm like you in a way and i follow that sort of jack reacher and kind of is that a word jack reacher and um sort of you know the jack reacher if anyone reads the novels is kind of he says sleep when you can drink coffee when you can eat when you can wash when you can, and literally. As soon as you have that opportunity, you take that straight away and don't sort of push it and go, I'll get it tomorrow. You you do it all now. And that's the kind of, I, I sort of take that mantra to a degree, depending on what it is in life. And for that, I would go, okay, kick the three points. They're a sure thing. But to do with the analytics, like you say, and like we say, and to do with the purchase that Williams was getting, especially up the middle as well. I sort of think, I understand why he went for it. And I commend him for having the balls to go for it. Because, you know, they asked him in the press conference, it one of those BS questions. What sort of message does this send to your team? <laughs> Obviously, it shows that he trusts them, you know, to, to get yeah. that or whatever. But for what that's worth, I don't know. Apparently, it means a lot to players um, in the locker room. Me and you as non-players, um, I suppose we, we just don't get a piece. You know what I mean? We just, <laughs> well, We just don't understand.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I I'm a Hall of Fame coach on my armchair. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> and and and, and um, every play I've ever called has worked, Steve. So yeah, you know, and, especially and
1: after those you that know did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and,
0: and those that didn't work, I've forgotten about.
1: Yeah. And I'm really good at, you know, when something happens and then you don't say the thing that you should have said, but you think about it in the car 20 minutes later. I'm really good at that. I come up with a fantastic comeback when it's 20 minutes too late. Um, The thing is about this offense, it's fascinating in the sense that uh, we can murder teams quickly. We can kill them slowly. But one thing is really starting to take shape as the season goes on, Pete. Is the fact that MVS and GMO's roles are becoming bit part roles and Alan Lazard is becoming wide receiver number two? Would you agree with that statement?
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Abs- absolutely. You know, I, I, think, I think that um, MVS has been slightly disappointing. Um, but again, again you, know, you don't exactly know how the game plan's drawn up and which particular which particular plays he's the primary receiver or secondary receiver on and, and, and what have you. But yeah, I absolutely, you know, L- Lazard is a, is a, is a huge threat. And as, you know, as I guess you want to say improved, at least has shown himself exponentially from where he was at the beginning of the season. Let's, let's remember he didn't even make the final 53 man roster. Yeah. You know, this was a guy that, that was placed on the practice squad. Um, um, so yeah, no, absolutely. I think that I think that he has been one of the one of the kind of bonuses of the season so far.
1: Yeah, he's been fantastic, I guess. And then again, on the first possession, it looked like he potentially came down with that ball. It looked too close to sort of you know wisping off the grass. Yeah. Some people, again, that was another one that divided people whether it was or wasn't. To me, it seems like MVS is solely used for just. Uh, a kind of play to nothing deep shot that you're hoping to get contact on to give you the penalty. That's a spot foul, and you just get up beside the end zone.
0: It appears to be that way, doesn't it? And yet, yeah, yeah, you know. And clearly, he's a he's a long he's a long strider, long striding runner who who, who clearly you know, if he's going to get wide open, it's probably deep. Yeah. But you know, if you look back earlier in the season and, and and towards the end of last year, um, you know, the 49ers game last year, he he, you know. He, was able to get open in the 10 to 15 yard area. Um, so it's difficult to know what's difficult to know what's going on there, but certainly on, on the face of it, he's now uh, no, I don't want to use the regressing word, but, but just a slipped behind Alan Lazard, as you say, and, and, and GMO, you kind of, you kind of feel the same way. Although one thing I will say about GMO, if you look at some of the, the run, the runs from um, Jones and Williams. GMO is a great, is a great blocker. He's a, he's a tremendous blocker as a wide receiver. A lot better than probably I'd previously even noticed or certainly given him credit for. So that's certainly a plus from from his perspective.
1: So GMO gets a participation medal. Um, he gets. <laughs> uh good LG because you know what i saw that on aaron jones as well so impressed again and we can't you know let this podcast go by without mentioning him he's a hard runner puts his body on the line uh clever there's a couple of clever things i saw and uh, he's good at picking up the blitz you know every time i saw that he was given that task i think he did an excellent job and there was a clever play and again it just seems like oh as a football player he's supposed to know um how to do it but it was late in the game you know we were trying to put the game away trying to eat up the clock that was obvious um and aaron jones bounced out to the right and it looked like he was going to go out of bounds. um because he was going to come into some pretty heavy contact but he darts back into the left and just chews up more of that clock again you kind of think no brainer but the way the play was going and the amount of damage that he was going to take i thought it was a, a like again that's what's required of him i guess but i just thought it looked like a it looked like he naturally was going to step out but then Thought the better of it and stepped back to the left, and I thought that was just a clever football play, not and too flashy, but just a nice little touch from him for me. No,
0: you're ab- you're absolutely right, and it's those those things that kind of you know you can easily miss. Yeah. Um, you know, but like you say, it's not it's not flashy, it's not a thirty yard run, it's not a sixty yard reception. It's things that can easily get missed, but those little things, as we as we often talk about, you know, games are decided by little things. Um. And yeah, those little things make, make a huge difference and, and, and good football players make you know, do those little things that things that don't get noticed. So yeah, absolutely spot on,
1: Yeah. I think he's great. Uh, Alan Lazard, looking lively, Chimo again and again, I know I sort of was very flippant about the participation medal thing. He does catch some short passes and for whatever reason always takes a hit to the head. Um, there was uh, one or two yeah. passes I saw. Maybe he only caught one reception, I'm not sure. I don't have the box score now in front of me, but uh, there was one that he took a, a fairly heavy hit. So again, a guy who puts his body on the line. But the thing is, um, and again, not to bring it into the too uh, piss-takey side of things, but Jamal Williams uh, always comes out with some type of sound bite that just can go on and on. Everyone will remember this. I love it. I love it all. The rain, because I think the rain slows everybody else down. That's the mermaid quote. So anytime now I'm on the group count and he does something good, I'm like, there's the mermaid for first down. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a new one piece. This is his latest. I
0: felt great. I felt like I was in Frozen. Frozen 2. I haven't seen it yet. Is it out yet? No, I can't. Is it? I can't wait. I can't wait to go see that movie.
1: Ah, uh, what a character. And that's the thing is that... <laughs> no, that's good. Whatever, Pete, about uh, the locker room and the defensive deficiencies, which is the phrase of the podcast, all of a sudden, um, we have characters. Jamal's funny, has fun out there, he dances, has a great time. Aaron Jones getting to production. Aaron Rodgers slinging the ball, laughing away. You know, Preston and Z Smith still doing joint press conferences. Uh, Zadarius Smith, you know, with all of that sort of legal trouble that he's in, still putting on a brave face, still taking ownership. He's a leader on and off the field. If you've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. There's that whole uh, Rolex soundbite. It's full of characters, and it seems to be going in the right way.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good point. Full of characters and full of and full of leaders, even, even even the young guys. So you know, we talked about Jair Alexander and his play on the field earlier earlier, but but you know, he stepped up as a as as a leader um Adrian Amios, even even Savage has, and the two Smiths. And so there's a there's a there's character, there's leadership, and you can tell that there's a warmth. Yeah. A I don't know what what you know family atmosphere. I don't know what words you want to use, but there's a certain something that the team has got a togetherness. Yeah. That that the the Packers have that they you know they don't seem to have had probably in Five or six years. So even two or three years ago, when they went to the NFC Championship, you never got that. This is a this is a team all together, and and it certainly feels it certainly feels that way right now.
1: And I have a very um, I've an have a nice little bite from um, Aaron Rodgers' post presser that I want exactly on that note. But before I get there, because I think it'll be a nice way to round off the podcast, Pete. Have you any other uh, thoughts on this game before we round it out with? The
0: last debate. No, it's just, just, it's just again. It's you know, it's another good win against another a good football team. The Panthers are a good football team. It's a good win. The pack, the Packers are eight and two, and they control their own destiny.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one of the top teams in the NFL, as you said, fate in their own hand. They've got the bye week now to get healthy. This is one thing that I find curious, uh, Pete. Let me play this and let me maybe go on a one minute diatribe. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts as well.
0: Tremont and I and uh, Big Dog and Jimmy, I just think we're asking for guys to do their part and to buy into something. This is, uh, you know, optional accountability. You know, you have the option to buy into what we're doing uh, or not. And it doesn't uh, stop when you leave the building. You know, you carry that G with you wherever you go. And I hope guys realize that, how important... Uh, This week is to mentally get balanced and come back and get ready for uh, a tough road trip.
1: Now, optional accountability, don't like it. Uh, I hope guys know that, don't like that either. The thing is, is this going to be spun two ways, really? And and I'm not one of those lads, because I know the Packers hate the media, and that goes to the very top of the organization, that they try spin stuff. Um, And again, by all means, pull my reins in here. But what I would say is, is that you know, Aaron Rodgers is the face of the organisation, he's the face of the franchise, he's the leader in that locker room. I'm not questioning his leadership skills at all, but what I would say is, and he does mention Big Dog, by the way, is Mercedes Lewis, because he calls it out during the game, Big Dog, and Mercedes Lewis turns around. So, eh, little fun fact. Uh, But Jamon Williams, you know, an old head in the locker room, p to me and again maybe i'm reading too much into it because i am the body language expert here at uk packers is that i wouldn't leave it up to chance i wouldn't leave it as optional i mean the the culture and maybe it is and maybe that's what he's saying the culture should be it's all in or get out and there's no sort of uh, room for discernment there's no room for someone to go "Eh, i'm not really feeling it or whatever or to half arse anything this has to be all in and as you said and alluded to earlier and as we said you know this is a camaraderie this is a team coming together and we're going to need to gut this out so I don't like the whole, you know, it's optional or whatever. Now, maybe that's a leadership technique to say, I am not, I shouldn't have to force you to do this. You should want to do this on your own. And I get that as well. But I think everyone should know. And what I didn't like was the rumblings when we went into that Chargers game. And again, it's only all this alleged stuff online. So there's probably no credence to it or whatever. And of course, there's some people that say there's no smoke without fire. That... Some of the players went out and they were boozing the night before or there was, you know, they were too distracted in LA and they flew in too early. And that was the problem. I don't think that should be an issue for this team. And again, I did raise this point when Matt LaFleur was talking in preseason to say, oh, I didn't like the energy. They're coming in again a bit too flat. That he shouldn't have to keep saying it time and time again. And he shouldn't have to keep taking the rap as a coach. Because if he's told them enough now, as he said to the media, they should get the memo by now. So the thing is, I don't like that it's optional. I think this should be just like everybody's all in. We're all in this together. We're all going to get a Rolex for God's sake. So everyone should be all in on this. Pete, am I reading too much into that, or do you think that that's sort of a thing of like maybe we could tighten that up a little bit?
0: Yeah, no, i i i i feel i feel ex- i feel exactly the same way. Um, yeah, I, I I don't like the the optional accountability thing. Mm. Um, Hope they know. It, they should know. It, yeah, and it and it also. <laughs> And this is just this is just me that that it also then makes you question well well who was not all in last year and who was not all in the year before because now I want to know you know um, because I don't care whether you're on a, a six and ten team or a ten and six team or a twelve and four team you're getting paid to play yeah and um you know this thing about we're all in now that just says to me but we weren't all in before <laughs> um but I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's um, it's difficult. I, I, I When you've got a team of fifty-three players, you've got a team of different characters who see things in co- in a completely different way. And um, you know, I'm I'm sure that they're on on any team. There are there are some guys that are more committed than others, and that's just the way it is when you've got a team of fifty odd players. I guess.
1: Yeah, and look, I understand and some people are going to say, oh, well, what he's doing is it's a, it's a message to the players and all this type of stuff. But again, and I would say, well, then tell the players. But he, and again, people will say he already has. So that might be fine. Um, But look, maybe it's, you know, mountains, molehills, all that type of stuff. I'm not going to end the podcast on kind of a negative note. Um, but what I would say is, is that we're at eight and two, as you said you know giving up a lot of defensive yardage but it still seems to come back to the fact that we eke out the win and the offense by and large puts in the performance that it needs to put in and apart from that which it is which we can call it now i guess that chargers game is a bit of a blip means that we're still a devastating offense that can outscore uh, the defense who in fairness gave up um not a mountain of points now who wants to come out and watch a game with the UK Packers? So Glasgow meet up week 10. We have a bye week. And then we're going to Birmingham to watch Green Bay take on San Francisco. That's going to be a dynamite game. Um, so that is on the 24th of November. Uh, Birmingham is very central. It, it cost me 60 60- euro uh, to book my flights to get over and as well as that we have some really fantastic stuff it's a fiver in just so that we have numbers they're closing off the upper section it's all to ourselves there's foosball tables snooker and pool tables i believe darts tables up there a massive projector screen we're going to be watching the game on it starts at nine o'clock you can arrive in a little bit earlier if you want you get a free drink um on entry and They've agreed to open the kitchen late for us till 11 p.m. So if you're coming in late, you have a few scoops, you want a bit of nosh, how much sort of colloquialism that's going to throw in here. Um, you know, the the bar is open or the, the kitchen's open till 11 p.m. And we have a bar upstairs that's just for us as well. So you, look, you can't beat it. If you're interested, you can pay Palace the Fiverr to info at UKpackers.co.uk. Just make sure, please that you put it family and friends. Otherwise, they charge a fee and then it actually costs us for you to go to the event. And I mean, you know, we're already doing enough. And then, of course, there is the Dublin game, which is in December, the 10th of December, um, week 14, uh, or sorry, the 8th of December. Um, So that's week 14. That's a ticketed event as well in the Woolshed Bat and Grill. Same story. Uh, You'll get two points with this because, hey, Irish. Um, So you get two points for your fiver and you get uh, a cordoned off section to go in and watch the game. It's going to be great. There's an informal event in London sandwiched in between that and the Hippodrome uh, Casino, which means that we have been successful in organizing meetups in Manchester, Cardiff, Lambeau Field, Glasgow, and then also Birmingham, London, Dublin, and then we're going to have a Super Bowl party as well, which obviously, Pete, we're going to be in the Super Bowl, let's face it. So look, uh, a lot of hard work goes in behind the scenes. This is an everyday thing. If you appreciate what we do, I'd encourage you to go to patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. It honestly means a lot. Um, and yeah, that's it. It's it's going to be really exciting stuff. I'm really looking forward to Birmingham. It's going to be an absolute clanger, especially the setup with the late kitchen and the bar to ourselves and the big projector screen, as long as the game doesn't get flexed. So they have till, I believe, tonight to say whether they're going to flex that game or not. And hopefully they don't. They keep it at nine o'clock and it's going to be an absolute gung-ho event. Um, but Pete, anything further to say or forever hold your peace?
0: I shall forever hold my peace other than it's fantastic to be eight and two, Steve.
1: It surely is. And we say hold our peace and we're only going to be annoying you through the airwaves again for quick snaps of a Wednesday, Thursday. So uh, from myself, at NFL on Twitter, give me a follow. Follow the group at UK Packers, And of course, the fountain of knowledge peter jones at it hedgehog also get onto the facebook group there's a private group there as well if you want to sort of have another have a chinwag have a debate without the the prying eyes of the vikings bears and detroit lions public Um, and also you can get us on instagram at uk packers any questions hit us up info at uk packers and i guess that's it i should pre-record that uh, entrance or exit but until quick snaps it's goodbye for a couple of days guys (laughs)